Okay, let's get started. Like I said on the uh, on the WhatsApp group, that this Gemara is going to be pretty straightforward. There's going to be some things we have to make, uh, you know, small accounts of, but in general, it's not going to be so difficult. So ask the Gemara. So the Gemara asks, how come then the Mishnah says Aisha Nikhnas b'shalosh drachim? It says shalosh in the feminine. It said this nishleish should say shalosh in the masculine. Now, why it say shalosh in the masculine, we're going to get to momentarily, but it's clear that the Gemara has an agenda that would prefer, would prefer if the language that the Mishnah expressed was in the masculine as opposed to the feminine. So, answers the Gemara. The reason it says shalosh in the feminine is mishum dekabui the misnei derech v'derech lashnekevahu. The reason why it says in the feminine is because the Mishnah really wants to use the word derech. And the fact that it says derech takes preference over the masculine. And derech, lachnekevahu. And derech is a word, a feminine word. And therefore, it needed to say shalosh. How do we know that derech is feminine? Because the Pasuk says that I informed you of the derech, of the derech of the ways, and therefore you should go on it. And therefore we see that derech is referred to as a ba in the feminine. So since derech is feminine, the Torah, want, the Mishnah wants to use the word derech. Therefore definitely she has to use shalash. Now challenges the Gemara, Velahadetanya, how could you say that derech is feminine? We have a b'raisa that says, B'shiva drachim b'idkin azov. There are seven different ways that you can check azov. Azov is a person who has an emission from their body. That they do to that emission, they become tame. So there, there's seven different ways we can check to see whether this emission that came out from their body was actually what we call a zav, which would go ahead and make them defiled or make them tame, or maybe it's not a zav. It came due to other things. We'll see soon in Rashi what those other things may be, and therefore, he's not defiled. He's not tame, but there. But here we have that. Nisni Sheva, it really should say Sheva Drachim, not Shiva. Shiva is in the masculine, as opposed to Sheva is in the feminine. So yes, the Gemara, we have a contradiction. On one hand, we have a Pasuk, that Derech is feminine. Now we have a Braisa that says Beshiva Drachim in the masculine. So how could it be then? Like the Gemara asks, Nisni Sheva, Mishum Dekabai, the Misne Derech. Really, she sees seven because we're trying to teach Derech, and Derech is the feminine. Now, to make things work, comes along the Gemara, and it's going to bring a Pasuk. Besides this price, we also found a Pasuk that uses the language of Derech in the masculine. In one way, they're going to come out towards you. They'll flee in front of you. So therefore we see that not only does the Braise utilize the language of masculine when using when talking about the word derech, but the the Torah itself uses the language of derech in the masculine, Shiva Drachim. since that's true, Krashi Kro Ahadadi, we have a contradiction in Psukim, that the Pasak of Aidatam is a derech yelchu ba is feminine referring to derech. And yet, in the Pasuk, that's in the masculine contradiction. And we also have a contradiction in the Mishnayas. Our Mishnah says, I'm sorry, in the feminine. And yet, the Mishnah in Zavim says, in seven different ways, in the masculine. So it's a contradiction, both in the Psukim and the Mishnayas whether or not derech is in the masculine or the feminine. So the Gemara goes ahead and answers this contradiction. It says, The Pesukim themselves are not contradictory. Why not? Since in the first Pesuk, is referring to Torah, and the Torah is referred to in the feminine. Since Torah Hashem is Tamima, is, is whole, is pure. And therefore, it's written in the Nekeva, it's in the feminine. So we see that Torah is feminine. And therefore, the Derek that's referring to Torah is in the feminine. Kasev Lalbalash and Nekeva. Therefore, it wrote in the feminine. But Hasam, in regards to the other Pasuk, of Derek Hadiyat Sevalech of Shiva Drochim Anus Lefanech, Adim Makamakai, 
There, that's talking about war. It's the way of a man to make war. And it's not the way of a woman to go to war. And therefore, Therefore, when the Torah refers to the word derech, it means it's going back to Lashon Zachar. Meaning to say, in the answer, to an- to explain why it's not a contradiction in the Pesukim, what sometimes it uses the language, the feminine, and sometimes it uses the masculine, the Gemara pretty much says it depends on the context. If the context of derech is referring to something which is feminine, then it's a, it takes, expresses itself in the feminine tense. Whereas if it's referring to something which the subject matter is masculine, therefore it's expressed in the masculine tense. Now, masnisin ahadari lekashan. When it comes to the Mishnahic teachings, also it's not difficult. Why? Because hachad the gabi isha kai. Since regards to our Mishnah, we're discussing how a woman's acquired ha'isha nikness. Therefore, ketani lebalashnekeva. Since the subject matter is a woman, therefore derech is expressed in the feminine. But hasam the gabi ishkai. But over there, in regards to Zavim, there it's referring to a man. Why? The darko shall ish the bodek. It's only normal for a man to check. Vein darko shall ish the But it's not normal for a woman to check why she had this omission. Why not? The ha'isha nami ba'onis mitma. Because even if a lady had experienced one of these seven things, which would go ahead and, and define the man's emission is not something which would be tame. With a woman, it doesn't make a difference. Nonetheless, even if she performed one of these seven actions, nonetheless, she's going to be tameya, therefore she doesn't usually check. And therefore, since the normal way to do these bedikas, to do these checks, is only for a man, explains the Gemara, Tani Lashen Zachar. Therefore, the, the mission of the Braisa utilized the language of, of Zachar, of Shiva, the language of the masculine, in order to express the din of darach. Now, that being said, let's put a pause here in the Gemara up until now. That means that derech really is a word which I would call amphibious. Right? It can go both ways. And therefore, depending on the context, the context will dictate whether or not the word derech is masculine or feminine. So now, before we see the next stage of the Gemara, let's see Rashi here. There's a Rashi here on the on Zav. And then we'll start the next stage of the Gemara, and then there's a Machlikas Rashi to this we have to discuss. So let's see the Rashi. It says Rashi, Bodkinus Azov. Now it's going to enumerate, Rashi is going to enumerate for us the seven things we check for, that if the person, if the man, had any of these things, that would make his emission something which doesn't make him tame as Azov. So it says Rashi, B'meichel, with food, an abundance of food, B'mishnah, with an abundance of drinking, B'choyli, if he was sick, B'masa, if he was carrying something heavy, B'kvitsa, if he was jumping around a lot, umare, if he was looking at different things that maybe he shouldn't have been looking at, but here he was thinking about different things he shouldn't have been thinking about. So it says, maybe the reason he had the emissions is due to one of those seven different categories. And therefore, it's not the emission happened against his will. The Tahar, and therefore, he's pure. Why? So this explains Rashi, that it has to be from his flesh. And Bissaro denotes and implies me'elov, it has to happen on its own, but not something that happened external to him that would be a cause for, to having in this emission. Now explains Rashi, why is this true only by a male and not by a female? But when it comes to a woman, even if she goes through one of these seven things, nonetheless she'll become impure. Like it says, in the Gemara in Nida, when it says that she'll have any kind of blood flow, that includes even something against her will, because there the Torah dictates that as long as she had any kind of blood flow, that's kind of what's going to make her tmeya. But according to Emil, it says, it has to happen on its own. It doesn't happen on its own. Therefore, he's not going to be tmeya. So that's the reason why it's only Besheva Drachim. So up until the Gemara, we know if we're going to ask how come our Mishnah says Aisha Niknis Beshalas Chachim in the Keva, the answer is because the Torah wants to utilize the word Derech, and Derech is an amphibious word, and since the context of our Mishnah is referring to a woman, therefore Derech takes on the feminine tense. Now, ask the Gemara a new question. So my Taima Tani Shalish, what's the reason it taught three? 
Mishum Drachim, because it wants to say the word Derech. Es the Gemara Nisni Dvorim Vinisni Shlisha. So it comes along the Gemara and asks a new question. Forget Derech. Why are you harping on Derech? Derech is so important. We really prefer utilizing the masculine. And since we prefer using the masculine, let's take a word which isn't amphibious. So let's take the word Davar. Davar is masculine. And inasmuch as Davar is masculine, let's say Davar, Bishalush, Bishloisha Dvarim, Aishaniknis Bishloisha Dvarim. And there we could utilize the masculine. We'd have to utilize the masculine to say Shloisha. So ask the Mishnah, ask the Gemara, I'm sorry, why are we harping on the word Derech? Let's go ahead, utilize the word Davar, and then we could go ahead and say Shalosh. Shalosha, I'm sorry. So now it comes along Rashi and says as follows, Parchinon. The Gemara challenges, My time atani Shalosh, what's the reason we taught three? Mishum Drochim Kaamras. So Rashi is telling us here that it's not really a question of Mishum Drochim Kaamras, but that really this is a continuation. It's a segue to get into the next stage. So yes, the Gemara, listen Dvorim and listen Shlesha. Teach Dvorim, and then you'll teach me three. Now comes along Rashi here and explains why are we so interested in three. Ki orchod de Gemara. This is the normal way that the Gemara expresses itself. Meaning to say that really, if we have something which isn't self-defined, we have something which is part of. So the way the Gemara expresses a part of Kantem is in the masculine. So in as much as that's true, when the motion, when the Mishnah says Haisha Niknis be in a number, the default would be that we should say it in the masculine. And since we wanna the Mishnah the Gemara somehow feels this to be very strong, a strong push to say that this is you know, takes a priority to us. Therefore, says the Gemara, let's try to do whatever we can to make it fit into that default of being in the masculine. That's the Orcha de Gemara. And since that's the Orcha de Gemara, we want to say Shlesha. So how do we say Shlesha? We can't say with Drachim. So let's say Dvarim. And that's the stance of Rashi. Rashi's stance is, why is the Gemara so interested in saying in the masculine? Because the default language of the Gemara is masculine. Now, Tursus says differently here. Tursus says, in Divra Maschil Lisni Shlesha, we're all the way back in the bringing of the Gemara when we said, why does it say Shalosh Drachim? Lisni Shlesha, it's a Shlesha Drachim. Says Tursus, since the whole Torah was said in Lashon Zachar, therefore, therefore what? Therefore our Mishnah should also be said in Lashon Zachar. Now this is a Chiddush. What's the Chiddush here? The Chiddush says as follows. According to Tosvis, the reason why we'd be interested in saying Shlosha in the Mishnah is because the whole Torah was said in, Shlo- in, in the masculine. Now obviously, Tosvis knows that that's not always true, right? For example... The Gemara itself brought a pasuk. And why does it refer to? Why does it say ba? Why does it say drachim is the feminine? Because it's talking about Torah, and Torah is feminine. So on one hand, this is very aware that kolat is not said in the masculine. There are things which are for sure explicit in the feminine. So what does Tosis mean? So again, I would say that Tosis is assuming that the default language of the Torah is masculine. And therefore, if we have something which the default language of the Torah is masculine, therefore it should always be expressed as masculine. Now one could ask on Tosfus, aye, but here we're not talking about the Torah. The Torah, I would assume, is Chumishay Chumshay Torah. There we have a thing, a, a concept. The default language of Chumishay Chumshay Torah is masculine. But what relevance does that have to our Mishnah? So you have to make a jump. We'd have to say that Tosfus says, based off his own logic, that inasmuch as the Torah Shebikhtav, the Chumishay Chumshay Torah, the standard, the default language, is that of the masculine tense. So the assumption is that should hold true also by the Torah Shebal Peh. That when the Torah Shebal Peh expresses itself, it should also be in the masculine tense. And therefore, that should be the Pshat Nar Mishnah. So it comes out that the difference between the Machlikas Rashi Tesis is, is the preference for using the masculine, because that's the normative way of the Gemara to express default terms in the masculine, that would be Rashi. Or, is the reason why it should be in the masculine is because since the default language of the Torah, the Chamishi Chumshei Torah, is masculine, logic dictates that it all should be true when it comes to Torah Shabbat Peh, and therefore, our Mishnah should be expressed in the masculine also. And that would be the stance of Tosfus here. Now the Masha here in the Chedush Yagodos wants to know why is it that the Torah itself is referred to in the Nekeva. Meaning to say that 
the Torah could have also been expressed in Zachar. So why is Torah a feminine language? So the Mashah explains that the Torah is compared to a wife in many different psukim. For example, it says, in the same way that the Torah is Meshiva, I'm sorry, that a wife is Meshiva's Nefesh, that it gives a certain mental stability and happiness to her husband, so too, uh, the Torah is Meshiva Nefesh, the Torah is Meshiva Nefesh, it gives that certain mental stability and happiness to a person who sits and learns Torah. So the, the comparison to Torah, to someone's wife, is the reason why the Torah is expressed in the feminine. That's how the Masha wants to exp- explain it. And therefore, we can have that the Torah itself is referred to in the feminine, and yet the default language that's expressed within the Torah is in masculine. The two things aren't connected. The one is a reference to the Torah itself. The Torah has an aspect to it, which is feminine. In the, in the fact that the Meshivas Nefesh aspect of the Torah is feminine, therefore that's why the one we're referring to the Torah itself that's in the feminine but the default expression within the Torah is masculine. And that's what this is coming to say. Now, if you were to ask me, I would have said differently than the Marshal, personally. What do I know? But if you're going to ask me, why is it that the Torah is feminine? So we know that there's, you know, there's two different ways that a person can exist pretty much in the world. It can be masculine or feminine. Masculine, what I would say, is a role of influence. Whereas feminine is the role of being influenced. Now, obviously, a woman can be in a role of influence and a man can be influenced. That's not what I mean. But if you're going to take, let's say, on, on a, an anatomical level, so the relationship between man and woman is that a man gives over to his wife and his wife goes ahead and develops the seed which was given over from the man. And from that, becomes something new, right? Comes further generations. So that's what I mean by a role of the male being an influencer and the woman being influenced. So if that's true, so then, for example, the whole Shira Shirin is a parable to a husband and wife. That parable of husband and wife is is referring to the relationship between Hashem and Klai Yisrael. So Hashem is the husband and Klai Yisrael is the wife. Why is that? Because Hashem is the one influencing and Klai Yisrael is the one being influenced. So once that's true, so then how what's the relationship in Torah in the world? So I would assume that Hashem is the one who is influencing the world, right? He's the one that created the world and sustaining the world and everything that's happening is due to Him. And the way that's being expressed is through the Torah. So the Torah is the influenced, it's the one who is affected by Hashem, and through that affection, you're giving birth to something new. There's something called Kla Yisrael, following Torah and mitzvahs. So in regards to Hashem in the world, the Torah itself is the feminine because it's being influenced by, by Hashem. That's how I would have assumed that the Torah is in the feminine. But that's, uh, I believe the Marshal says differently. It's because this aspect of Meshivah Snefesh. So two different approaches here, why that would be. So let's go back to where we were holding. The Gemara asked, So Nisni Dvarim and Nisni Shleisha. Say a different word. Don't say Derech. And use the word Dvarim. Dvarim definitionally is masculine. And then you could teach Shleisha. So answer the Gemara. The reason we don't teach Dvarim, Mishum Dekavoy the Misni Bia. Really, we wanted to teach Bia. But Bia Ikri Derech. And since we want to teach Bia, Bia is called a Derech. How do we know Bia is referred to as a Derech? Tichsiv a Derech Gever Ba'alma. The way of a man with a young woman, Kain derech ishim anefes. That's the way of an adulterous woman. Meaning the derech here is an expression of bia, and since derech is an expression of bia, and we want to teach bia, therefore we specifically are interested in using the word derech. And since derech is amphibious, and the context of the mission is referring to a woman, so we revert back to using the feminine. So yes, the Gemara hatinach bia. That's fine and dandy that you want to use the word derech for bia. But kesef ushtar ma'ikleimar. Why? But what, what are you going to teach about kesef and shtar? Kesef and shtar, we don't have psukim using the word derech. And if we don't have psukim using the word derech, how come we're veering from the word dvorim, where we could teach the masculine, and going to the word derech doesn't seem fair? Mishum bia, the reason we're going to use the word derech is due to bia. Yes, the Gemara of a Tani Tarti, a We're going to teach two because of one, meaning to say, 
We have two Kenyanim in the Mishnah, Kesef and Shtar, which could have used the word Dvarim, and that would have been preferable because then we could use Shlesha the masculine. But now we have one Kenyan of Bia, which we have a Pasuk in Mishlei, saying that Bia is referred to as a Derech. How come if it's two against one? The two should take precedence and you should use the word Dvarim. So how come we're teaching Derech even when it comes to Kesev and Shtar and the Mishnah? Because at Bia, it seems that the Kesef and Shtar should outweigh the Bia, and therefore we should have read back the Dvarim and use the masculine. So I answer the Gemara, it's not Tarti Why not? Hanach nami These two Kenyanim are also called Tzarech They're also called Tzarech Biyah. means that the end of the day, the Kenyan of the Mishnah is exclusive rights to intimacy. And therefore, the end game of both Kesev and Shtar is to utilize those exclusive rights. And so since Kesev and Shtar, the end game is also the Yatabiyah, so even though the method of Kenyan is going to be different, since the end game is Bia, that's not called the Tatiyatu Chada. That's not called that we should go after the majority of Kenyanim, because even the majority of Kenyanim still share an aspect with that minority of Kenyanim, of Bia itself. And therefore, we shall, should we want to utilize the language of Derech, which is a language of Bia. So to summarize, why don't we use Dvorim as opposed to, to Drachim? The answer is because Derech is a reference to Bia. It's a Pasuk, it's referred to in the Pasuk as Bia. Now, answer the Gemara, Seima, or we could say a different answer. Hamani, who's the author of our Mishnah that uses the word Derech as opposed to Dvarim? Rabbi Shiminhi. The author is Rabbi Shimon. Detanya, like it says in the Braisa, Rabbi Shimon Aimer, Rabbi Shimon says as follows, Why did the Torah say, Ki kach ish isha, that when a man takes for himself a wife, when a woman is taken for a wife as a man, to, to a man, why is it stressing the man's doing the lekuchin, the man's taking? Why doesn't it say the woman is taken? Answers the Gemara, it's the way of the world that a man pursues his wife. But it's not the way of the world for a wife to pursue her husband. An example of this, an allegory, an allusion to this would be that a person who lost an object. So who chases after who? that the person who lost the object chases after the lost object. So the same way the person who lost the object chases after the lost object, so too the way of the world is for a man to chase after his wife. And since Rib Shimon expresses this relationship as a derech, therefore the preference of the Mishnah is to utilize the word derech. Now, that's the basic read of the Gemara. Now that being said, what's this, what's this allusion of a person who lost in a lost object, what's it have to do with anything to Kedushin? So Rashi here says something cryptic. Rashi says that Veda, what's this lost object? Achas mitzadaisav, one of his ribs. What do you mean one of his ribs? So Rashi, how I understand it, is referring back to Parshas Bereshas. We know that Adam Rishon was looking for someone, a wife, a Benzug, and Hashem took Achas mitzadaisav, it took one of his tzlayim, whatever a tzela is, it's a rib, it's a tail, discussion, fine. But it took part of Adam and Rishon, and it fashioned from it chava. So, the same way that Adam lost his tzela, and he chased after it, he pursued it, meaning to say he took his wife chava, so, so too anyone who loses something, every person lost part of themselves, and they're finding it in their spouse, so the way is that the husband who lost that that part of himself chases down his wife, he pursues his wife, that we see already from Parshas Bereshis. That's how Rashi understands this marshal here. And that would be a second approach. Why is it then that we would prefer to use the der- word derech as opposed to devarim? Because it's alluding to this relationship that that the man is pursuing his wife. And that's going to be alluded to already in the Mishnah. So now at this point, we have two different reasons why the Mishnah utilizes the word derech as opposed to dvarim. Now, the Gemara is going to go ahead and tag different Mishnahic sources where the Mishnahic sources use the word derech 
And the Gemara is going to challenge them. How come that Mishnah used the word derech? It didn't use the word davar. The two reasons we gave so far is because either it's referring to B and B in the Pesukim is referred to as a derech, a Pesukim and Mishnah, or because it's a Luni to Shimon, but if we have Mishnayas that utilize the word derech and there's two reasons don't apply, we'll have to know why don't they use the word dvarim. So yes, the Gemara as follows. V'hadetnan, that which was taught already in the Mishnah we saw earlier on the Amud, b'zayin drachim bidkinus azov, in seven ways we checked azov, lisni dvarim, which is say there's seven things Right? Bezayin dvorim bidkinus azov. Why doesn't it say bezayin drachim? Right? How come it changes from the word davar? So he answers the Gemara. Hasama kamashmalan. There it's coming to teach me. De darcha de michli yasir ziva. That it's the way of eating too much that's going to cause the ziva, that's going to cause the emission. Vidarcha de mishtaya yasir ziva. And it's the way of drinking too much that's going to come the day ziva. Meaning to say as follows. If it just said davar, zayn dvarim, that's a thing, that's an object. So I would think that it's not how I eat the food, but it's the food itself which is causing the exemption here. So eating types of food, or eating food in general, that would cause the exemption. But now that it said zayn drachim, it's not what food you ate, but it's how you ate the food. So if you ate too much, that's what's going to cause the day, that's what's going to come the day ziva. That's the issue here. So the word derech is alluding to the fact, and the zayin drachim is alluding to the fact of how did you perform these seven things, and not that you performed them in general. Now, brings the Mishnah, the Gemara, another Mishnah. It's going to challenge. How can we use derech as opposed to dvarim? Vaditnan, that was taught in the Mishnah. Esrog, shavala'ilin, begimu drachim. That an esrog tree is comparable to all other dinim of trees in three different ways. Listni dvorim, it should teach dvorim. It should say, Esrog shavala ilan begimel dvorim. Now, I'm going to give you here a bit of background just so we know the context. We know that when it comes to trees and vegetables, there's different dinim which apply to them. So when it comes to a tree, for example, we know there's something called orla. Orla means the first three years that a tree is planted, you can't eat the fruit. There's something called revai. Revai is the fourth year of that orla cycle. You have to redeem the fruit and eat it, betaira. If you don't redeem it, then it's forbidden to eat. And we know there's something called shemitah, there's something called shviyas. And if there's something called shemitah, we know the seventh year this year, the fruits that grow during the seventh year, that blossom in the seventh year, have kedusha shviyas to them. You can't do business with them. You can't take them out of chutzah. You can't take them to chutzah. And there's certain dinim which apply. So, since that's true, there's certain halachos which esrog, an esrog tree, is comparable to an elon. What are those three things? So, like we said, they apply the case of orla, revai, apply to it. And in regards to shviyas, shviyas, there's two different time periods where something could be determined to have the sanctity kedusha of shviyas. One time is chanata, when they blossom. Now, generally speaking, all trees go after chanata. They really come kadush with kadusha shviyas when they blossom. As when it comes to vegetables, they don't go after the blossoming of the vegetable. They go after the lakita. They go after when it was gathered, it was harvested. So when it comes to an esrug tree, it's comparable to all other trees in three different areas. In regards to orla and revai, that these halachos apply, those halachos don't apply to vegetables. And it also follows the normal pattern of trees that it's defined whether or not it has Kedusha Shviyas by when it blossomed and not after when it's picked. So Gemara wants to know, this need Dvorim. Why doesn't it say that it's comparable in three different Dvorim, not three different Drachim? So says the Gemara, Mishim Dvorim Misni Seifa, Liyerik Mederich Echad. Because it wanted to say the Seifa. The Seifa says that it's comparable to a Yerik in one way. Now, we know that Yerakos have a certain din called Maesrus, Maesrish and Shumas and Maesrus. The truth is that trees also have this, but they have it at different times. So when it comes to Yerik, when do you obligated, when does your obligation to take Maesrus, to tithe, fall in? That falls in when you harvest it, as opposed to trees, the obligation for Maesr kicks in when you when it blossoms. Now, what's it mean, the obligation of Maeser? So, there's something called a Shemitah cycle. A Shemitah cycle means there's a three-year cycle, a seven-year cycle, I'm sorry. Within that seven-year cycle, 
Every year, a person has to separate Trumus and Maestros. In the seventh year, he's exempt because everything has Kedusha Shvias and it's ownerless. But the, the six years prior to Shemitah, there's a cycle. So every year, a person has to take, he makes his harvest, let's talk in vegetables, he takes his harvest in. Now, after he harvests that food, so first of all, he has to take Trumus. Truma is a donation from that harvest that he has to give to the Kohen. Midaraisa, Truma is any amount, even a even a chita achas, pateresis akri, one grain of wheat, could exempt the entire pile, the entire harvest. Rabbinically, we gave three different amounts. One out of one sixtieth is if you have a tsar a tsar ayin, you're tight fisted. One fiftieth, two percent, is if you're a benoni, the average guy. And one fortieth, two and a half percent, is if you are a very generous person. So let's take the average guy. It takes one fiftieth, two percent, and then he gives that to Truma. Then there's something called Maiserishon, out of the remaining vegetables. So he takes 10% of that, and he gives what's called Maiserishon. That he gives to the Levium. And the Levi separates from that something called Trumas Maiser. That the Levi has to give to the Kohen, but fine. Now, besides that, there's something called Sheni. Maiser Sheni is a second tithing. That second tithing, so now it depends where that second tithing goes, depending on the year of the Shemitah Seichel. So the first year and the second year, as well as the fourth year and the fifth year, that second taking, that second tithing, is called Maiser Sheni. Maiser Sheni is Kadosh. The lacha is you have to bring that Maiser Sheni, those vegetables, to Yerushalayim and eat it there in Yerushalayim. Or you could redeem the value of those vegetables on money. And then you take that money up to Yerushalayim and you buy food products in Yerushalayim and you eat it Taira. That's the first year, second year, fourth year, and fifth year. In the third year and the sixth year, there's something called Maiser Ani, a second tithing. Instead of bringing that money to Yerushalayim, you give it to poor people. That's the third year and the sixth year. So now, what determines, right? Let's say I have vegetables that start growing in the middle of Elul, but I only harvest them in Tishrei. So those vegetables go after the harvest. So if the previous year was the second year of the Shemitah cycle, and now Rosh Hashanah came, and it's the third year of the Shemitah cycle, so I give Maiser Ani as opposed to Maiser Sheni when it comes to the second tithing. So here, when the Gemara says the Yerik Bederech Echod, it's comparable to a Yerik in one way that it, the Maiserus go after Lekita, after the harvest, and after Chanata, not like blossoming. So there, that's what it means. That the Maiser, the year of Maiserus is determined like a Yerik that it goes after with the harvest itself and not the, and not the blossoming. That's why the Mishnah wanted to say the word derech. So yes, the Gemara seifa nami nisni davar. So yes, the Gemara. Why is that so important? You could say the yerek bedavar echad. So the same way in the Reisha we could have said dvarim, in the seifa we also could have said davar. So say davar in the seifa, and then we'll have a parallelism between the Reisha and the seifa. So says the Gemara. No, it couldn't have said davar in the seifa. Why not? The Mishnah is coming to teach me that the way of an esrog is like a yerek. That the, the growth, the way it grows, is comparable to that of a yerek. Why? The same way a vegetable grows with all kolmayim, meaning to say it doesn't just suffice on rainwater, but it also necessitates irrigation. And therefore, since it necessitates irrigation, that means that its growth process isn't finished yet. The fact that it came into existence, it still needs to be dealt with. It needs still needs to be aided and abetted in its growth and its development. So, so too, Therefore, an esrog also, which is it also needs irrigation. It can't just suffice off rainwater. Therefore, we don't see the end of the process happening when it blossomed. We don't see, oh, there's a vegetable, there's a fruit in the world. Why not? Because inasmuch as it needs irrigation in order for it to be sustained, therefore we don't see the end of the process. We don't see a finished. We don't see a finished product which just needs time to finish its development. We see a product which still needs help. And therefore, the meiser is determined by the harvest because of the way the derech that it grows. And since it wants to express that aluta in the Mishnah, it says the yerek b'derech echad. And since it says the Yerek Bader Hechad to allude to that 
growth process, it wants to make a parallel wording in the Reisha, and therefore it says, So that answered up the challenge from that Mishnah, and then Margot's now going to continue bringing another Mishnah to try to challenge this language of Derech. Why does he use the language of Derech as opposed to Davar? Says the Gemara's father, that which was taught, a kvi is an animal which we have a halachic doubt whether it's a chaya or a behima. A chaya is a wild animal, which is kosher, which is wild, and a behima is a domesticated animal. Now there's halachic differences between a behima and a chaya. So it says the Gemara as follows. It quotes the Mishnah. A kvi, there's some ways that a kvi is comparable to a chaya. What is that? So Rashi explains here that a kvi is chayiv in kisu yadam. Kisu yadam is when you shecht an animal, you have to cover the blood under where the blood spills, on top of it after it does spill. That's kisu yadam. That only applies to a chaya, but doesn't apply to a behima. Now the reason it applies to a chaya and a behima, this kvi, I'm sorry, is because we have a doubt what it is. So here we have a mitzvah derais of kisu yadam. We have a suffix whether the kvi is a chaya or behima. So suffix derais of the chumra tells me, take this kvi and do kisu yadam. There's ways that it's comparable to a behima. Rashi explains how is it comparable to a behima? That it's chaylev is asar. There's certain fats on an animal, a domesticated animal, a behima, which are asar, whereas those same fats on a chay, on a wild animal, would be permitted. So again, since we have a doubt whether a kvi is a chay or behima, so we have to say, those fats are asar. Says it continues the Mishnah. There's some ways that it's comparable to a chaya and a behima. That is, if you want to eat it, you have to shecht it. Just like a chaya and a behima both necessitate shechit in order to eat them, so the kvi will necessitate shechit in order to eat them. The other way is where it's not comparable neither to a chaya nor to a behima. For example, there's a prohibition of claim. Claim is, when it comes to behimas at least, that you can't crossbreed two different types of animal. Now that means that if I have a behima, I can't breed it with a chaya. Or if I have a chaya, I can't breed it with a behima. But if I have two different chayas or two different behimos, so I'm allowed to crossbreed them. Now, when it comes to a kvi, a kvi can only have relations with another kvi. Why is that? Because if the kvi is really a behima, and I try to breed it with a chaya, that's klayim, that's a safi klayim. And if the kvi is really a chaya, and I try to breed it with a behima, Again, that's going to be a prohibition of Klayim. So since we don't know whether it's a Chaya or Behima, it can only have, it can only breed with its own kind. Whereas when it comes to a Chayas and Behimas, they can breed with other Chayas and Behimas. So here it's not comparable to other way. But that being said, Why is this whole mission expressed in the language of Jerachim? It should be expressed in the language of Dvarim. And furthermore, another Mishnah. Aditnan. That which is taught, zu achas min hadrochim. This is one of the ways sheshavu gitinoshim the shichur avodim, that the documents, the divorce documents of a husband and wife, are comparable to the freeing documents of a slave. The case here is that if you bring this document from Medina Sayam from a foreign country, you have to say you have to make a statement with Adam of that it was written in front of me and it was signed in front of me. So there we see, though, that the, there's a comparison between Gittay Nashim Gittay Avadim, Sheikhur Avadim, I'm sorry, and that's called Drachim. As the Gemara, and this need Dvarim. Teach Dvarim. So it comes along the Gemara and says as follows. Hello, really, this is the answer. Kol plugta, whenever there's going to be a dispute, Tani Drachim. Therefore, the Mishnah utilizes a language of Drachim, which conveys dispute. The Kol plugta, but if there's no dispute, the thing is a, a statement that has has a consensus to it, Tani Dvorim. Therefore, it's not Dvorim. Daikanami, and I can prove it to you through a precise reading of the Mishnah, Diktani Sefer, like it was taught in the Sefer. Rebliyazah Eimer, Rebliyazah says, Esrug Shavala Ilan Choldavar. And Esrug is comparable to an Ilan Choldavar. So, according to Rebliyazah, there's no distinction in the Mishnah between Ilan of, and Esrug. Right? There's no, the Esrug doesn't go, according to Rebliyazah after its harvest in regards to the year of Maesros. Therefore, it is expressed in language of Dabar because there's no distinction made. So now that being said, let's recap this Gemara we saw so far. When we started off, we want to know why does language use the language, why does the mission use the language of Shalosh and the feminine? 
The Gemara answers because we want to use the word derech. And since derech is a word which is amphibious, like we proved from the contradictions between the Mishnayas and the Psukim, and the context of our Mishnah is feminine, and Isha Niknis, therefore, in order to teach derech, we use the language of feminine. That was the, That's really the answer of the Gemara. Now, the Gemara has a separate issue. Why is the Gemara interested? Why is the Mishnah interested in using the language of derech? Really, it should be interested in using the language of Davar and therefore teach masculine. That, we had a few answers. Either because derech is the language of intimate relations, like the Pesukim and Mishlei, or the word derech is alluding to the principle of Reb Shimon, that the way of the world is a man pursues his wife, or because each one of those Mishnayas is going to have a specific reason why the word derech is alluded to in that case, like we saw in Zavim, and like we saw by Esrog. Or a fourth idea is that really, that any time the word derech is utilized, it's because there's some kind of distinction, there's some kind of plukta, categorization in the Mishnah which is being expressed. And the word davar is when something is clear-cut, universal, and therefore there's no distinction, no categories being made, that's when you use the word davar. Whereas in our Mishnah, we have Machlikas and Bisil Beishamai. Therefore, it's a word of derech because they're expressing that categorization. That's the Gemara up until now. Theoretically, we could delve more into the details of Trumas and Maisus. There's a huge thesis here. There's two huge thesis in here. But that being said, it's not really pertinent to the Gemara and Kedushin. It's not pertinent to the principles we're trying to develop and establish. Therefore, even though it's a wonderful, beautiful Torah, it's not a Torah that we're going to learn together at this moment. So now, that being said, let's get back into Hilchus Kedushin. I want to start with you the next Gemara. The next Gemara is a doozy and a half. But uh, before we get to the big, you know, the big leagues, let's start off slow. So the Gemara says as follows. The number in the Mishnah is coming to exclude what? The minyan of the seifa is coming to exclude what? Meaning to say as follows. The Gemara is bothered. Our Mishnah says, A woman is acquired through three ways. Comes along the Gemara and asks our question that we asked day one in the Mishnah. Why is the Gemara telling, why is the Mishnah counting for me the number of kenyanim? Kesef Shtarbi, I know, a three. So why is it that the Mishnah expresses the word three, Bishalosh Drachim? So it comes on the Gemara, and the Gemara makes an assumption. The Gemara's assumption is, the reason it said three is you might have really thought there should be four. To teach you that there's not four, three is coming to exclude what you could have thought would be a viable means of Kenyan. Now, let's go ahead and determine, let's discuss what could have been that viable means of Kenyan that logic might have dictated would have been a feasible mode of Kedushin, and that the Mishnah felt like it had to come to exclude. So the Gemara's first answer of what this exclusion is, that the number in the Reisha, the Yisha Niknas B'Shalash is coming to exclude Chupa from being a means of Kinyan in the Mishnah. Now, we'll have to explain what this means, but we would have thought that Chupa somehow could have accomplished Kedushin. Now, let's go a little further, and we'll understand this maybe better. Now there's an opinion of Rav Huna. Rav Huna is of the opinion, we'll see this later on, Bisiat Deshmai on Davhei, that Rav Huna is of the opinion that Chuppah works as a Kavachimer. We'll talk momentarily what that Kavachimer is. But the Gemara wants to know if Chuppah really works as a means of Kinyan, then the Mute Mai, what's the three of the Mishnah coming to exclude? Says the Gemara, the Mute Khalifin. It's coming to exclude Khalifin. That we would have thought for some reason that Khalifin would be a vile means of Kinyan. And Kamashimlan, the Mishnah says three to teach us it's not true. It's not like this. That means, in the world before Rav Huna, we're coming to exclude Chuppah as being a means of Kedushin. That means that before the Mishnah said three, we would have thought Chuppah worked. Even if it just said Kesav Shtar and Bia, we would have thought Chuppah worked. Kamash Malan, the Mishnah says three, to teach me that only these three work, as opposed to Chuppah doesn't work. Now, let's say as follows. Chuppah, to work as a Kalbachimer, I think needs an assumption. Why is that? Because chuppah, we know there's two steps to the marriage process. There's something called erisin or kiddushin. And the second step is nisuin. 
So we have two different, two different steps in the process of completing, uh, making some kind of a marriage, and chupa accomplishes the second step. Now, if chupa establishes the second step, why would I think that it accomplishes the first step? What would that be? So the what I assume is that it's as follows. I could understand that if chupa accomplishes the second step, all the more so it could accomplish the first step. Why is that? Because if it can finish the job, all the more so chupa is able to start the job. That's the logic. That would be the kol that I can think of, that I can imagine that Rufun is expressing. Now, that logic, I think, is faulty. Why? Because that logic is assuming that Kedushin and Nesuin are the same thing. Why is that? So let's take it slow. If I have two steps of a process, right? I want to go ahead and I want to legally drive a car, right? So I want to legally drive a car that belongs to me. So what do I have to do? Number one, I have to buy the car, right? I have to, it has an owner already, whether that owner be the car dealership or the owner be a private person, I have to own it. And then I have to go and register the car in my name. The two different steps. Now, just because I go and register the car in the name, in my name, doesn't mean, that doesn't make me the owner. It doesn't establish ownership. It could be I could only do the second step once I accomplish the first step. But the second step doesn't accomplish the same goal. The two distinct steps in a process, each one necessitates the other, and each one, the nature of the steps are totally different. So if that would be the case, let's say Kedushin or Erisin would be two-step process, where the two steps were distinct from each other, they're totally disparate, they had no connection whatsoever, the same way that having a car in my name means I have to first of all purchase the car, and second of all, then I have to register it. So then Rufuna could never make a Kovachimah. The Kovachimah wouldn't start. Just because I can register the car, Chupa can register the car, so that means that it can also be a means of acquiring it. What's that mean? Go tell Paul that you want to acquire his car through your registry form. He'll, just, he'll think you're nuts. What's that have to do with anything? The registry form is for the government once you own it. But you may, you have to pay. So if that's the case, it has to be then that Rufun is assuming that Kedushin and Nesuin is really just two steps of the same, of more of the same. Meaning to say that, I'll give you a, a crude a crude allegory, allusion to this. Let's say I have a cup, and the cup holds, you know, a hundred liters, a hundred milliliters, a hundred liters is massive, a hundred liters, right? Tiny cup, holds a hundred liters. So Kedushin will fill it up 50 milliliters, and Nesuin will fill it up 100 milliliters. And if the, if the cup to be full, we need 100 milliliters. So if uh, Nesuin can accomplish 100 milliliters, all the more so it could accomplish 50 milliliters. That's Rufuna's assumption. Rufuna's assumption is that Kedushin and Nesuin are really one and the same. They're both accomplishing the same ends in the process, just that when it comes to Nesuin, it's a furthering, it's redun- it's, re- it's more of the same that you already accomplished with the, Nes- with the Eresin, with the Kedushin. If that would be the case, I could understand the Kavachayma. And then, if that's true, we would have a mission. And the mission says, Isha Nikhnis because of Sharabiyah. And I would think, wow, she's Nikhnis because of Sharabiyah. Chuppah should also work because it's a Kavachayma. Comes along, the mission says three. Now, what's three teach me? So three, if that svara is true, if the logic's true, that it's more of the same, then it should actually work. It should work. So why doesn't it work? So it must be, how I understand it, that three is teaching me that the steps of Kedushin and Nesuin are totally distinct. Nesuin's not a continuation of more of the same that you accomplished already with Erisin. It's actually something totally distinct, and that's what the mission is conveying. When the mission says, Aisha Niknis Beshelish Drachim, it's telling you, don't think that Chuppah could be an extension, a continuation of Nesuin, of Erisin. I'm sorry, it's not true. It's the second step of a process, but those two step processes are not connected. And therefore, you can't be Makadish with Chuppah. That would be, 
That would be Navarra's first stance. Now, according to Rav Huna, you could be Mekadish with Chuppah. You could be Mekadish with Chuppah. So what side is the assumption? The assumption, that's the dispute. He's of the opinion that no, that Nesuin is really just more Eresin. More it's the, the, repeating the process of Eresin again. And since Nesuin can finish the job, all the more so we can start it. That's Rav Huna. And that being said, there's a Bambakasha. There's a huge question to ask here. According to Rav Huna, how many Kinyanim work for Kedushin? How many Kinyanim? So my count, I have Kesef, Shtar, and Bia, and Chopa. We have four different Kinyanim. So according to Rav Huna, we have to ask, how could it be that the Mishnah says that Isha Nignis Bishalashrochim, that a wife is acquired through three ways? It's not true. A wife is acquired through four ways. Kesef, Shtar, Bia, and Chopa. The Mishnah is inaccurate. This is a this is a kasha. And Pshat, if you learned up a Gemara, you didn't ask this kasha, you weren't thinking. You couldn't be you were thinking because the Mishnah is clear three, and yet according to Rav we have four. So what happened? So my assumption is as follows: when the Mishnah says that so those are all three different ways which are expressed either explicitly in Psukim Bia, or through Drushas Kesef and Shtar, but they're all coming, built off of exegesis within the Pesukim themselves. That's the Mishnah. The Mishnah is conveying that. That's one category of Kinyan. So in the category of Kinyonim, which are derived, which are our base Kinyonim, which without a source we would never have known, those we have three. Then there's a different category. The different category is logic. Logical extensions. Logical extensions, the Mishnah didn't have to say. Why not? Because once the Mishnah denoted all the different kinyonim which necessitate a limud, so then through our logic, we could determine the other ones. So the Mishnah doesn't have to say them out. So that's why I would assume that when it comes to the Mishnah, the Mishnah says that Yishaniknus B'Shalosh Jochim, there's a three ways which are based off Pesukim, that without the Pesukim, we wouldn't have known them. Aye, there's a fourth derech, and that fourth derech left to logic. And that, the Mishnah wasn't discussing those means of kinyon. That's how we assume Pshad is in the Gemara up until now. Obviously, Rav Huna is tremendously complicated. It's much more complicated than we, uh, you know, are holding it to this point. But to really get to the depths of Rav Huna, we have to see the Gemara later on in Daphei. So at this point, we're going to stop for today. Amir Tashem, we have to get a tie shoes for Khalifan because Khalifan knocked my socks off for sure. And Amir uh, Tashem, I'm looking forward to next week.